Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fangs and Folklore with your host, Matthew Miller. We give you pint-sized, bite-sized pieces of supernatural monster lore, exploring their origins, their history, and their meaning to the human condition. Listen, if you dare. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert on all things monster and paranormal. I'm a horror writer from the dark and haunted swamps of Louisiana, and it's my pleasure to welcome you into my terrifying world. Please check out my books on Amazon, beginning with Blood Feud, A Punk Rock Vampire Story, which is volume one of the Gravediggers series. The Gravediggers are a punk rock band who keep crossing paths with all sorts of dark, evil, nasty creatures. It's horror... It's comedy in one super entertaining series. It's a six-part series. One, two, and three are already out, available on Amazon. Volume four is coming out any day now, so stay tuned and be sure to read one through three so you'll be up to date. Zombies, the living dead, the undead. Last time, we spent most of the episode talking about the Jiangshi, the Chinese hopping zombie, right? The Chinese zombie, the one that hops. This time, I was hoping to continue looking at some different zombie lore from around the world, but my research led me to conclude that there's just not that much. (laughs) Sure, there are tales of, you know, undead creatures from different countries, but I want to stay relatively close to our own definition of a zombie, which is basically a reanimated corpse without sentience, without thought, and it wants to eat the living, wants to eat people, (laughs) living people. So there are undead creatures in, in uh, all over the world, but really this, this zombie idea is fairly limited. I was surprised. So I thought this would be a good episode to talk about the meaning of the zombie mythos. Why do we have these stories and legends and movies limited as they may be? Well, you remember we started in Haiti. Besides the ancient stories of zombies, the Haitian zombie is kind of a big basis for a lot of the movies and books in the modern age. We talked about this uh, in the first episode, I believe, the first zombie episode. And I have to think that the concept of zombieism, at least in Haiti, is directly related to their history and their experience of slavery. Yeah, so let me start by saying, of course, all slavery is bad, and I'm not trying to say that any slavery is better than others. You know, any kind is somehow better than others. But I will say that the Slavery practiced on Haiti was especially horrible. It was, it was terrible, it was violent, cruel, had an unusually high mortality rate among the slaves. They were treated not, not even as chattel property, but even less than that, as completely disposable objects. Horrifying. Some of the stories, the way that the, uh, the plantation owners would punish these slaves, one of them that always made me shiver, uh, they would, uh, if, if the slave was you know, did something deserving death, according, you know, according to the, the plant, planter. He, would, he had a, a barrel of sorts, inside of which were metal spikes sticking out, so toward the center of the barrel, right? He put the slave in that barrel and roll him down a hill. And of course, the whole time the 
spikes are, you know, puncturing him. And, oh, God. It was definitely the cruelest slavery in the Americas, perhaps in the entire world. And so while all descendants of slaves, you know, in the world carry that tragedy with them in their being, I think Haitians are especially aware of it. By the way, the Haitian slaves revolted beginning in 1791 and succeeded, and they turned the tables. They put some of those planters in those barrels and rolled them down hills. So think of the idea of a zombie, right? It has no mind, no will, no hope, no future. It exists in this kind of existential hell, right? Nothing will or can ever change, only misery and suffering. It's dead while it's alive. That perfectly describes a slave, doesn't it? I mean, the zombie just walks and walks. It never stops until it is stopped or until it breaks down. The slave, likewise, just works, right? That's a slave's entire life working. I think then that, at least for Haitians, the zombie mythos could be a way to try to deal with the horrors of slavery, to somehow come to terms or to grasp the, the terrible history that the country has. Another idea is that the zombie represents the human fear of death. We are the only animal that can actually contemplate our own morality, uh, mortality, sorry, morality also, but mortality. I think it's safe to say that most people fear their own death. And even some who say they don't, I don't know, when it comes down to it, they might find themselves a little scared. And even if, you know, there's people who say, okay, I don't fear death because I firmly believe in my religion, I believe when I die, I'll go to heaven. Okay, that's fine. That's all fine and good. But I still think they would fear the actual moment of death, you know, gun to the head, sword to the chest, so to speak. I think all of us would have some fear there. The zombie then kind of represents death, right? And so in that way, when we watch zombie movies or read zombie books or deal with the lore in any way, we're kind of confronting that fear of death. So the zombie is a way for us to confront the fear of death, to deal with it head on. Next, there's the actual fear of corpses. Now, I think I've mentioned before, one of my phobias is dead bodies, dead human bodies. Animals doesn't bother me, but dead human bodies, boy, that really, really freaks me out, corpses. I have a hard time at funerals. I mean, I'll go to them to honor the person, but boy, when you're supposed to walk up there and like say a little prayer or say something or give a final message or just look down, you know, and pause for a second. That is weird for me because I, I'm always just the back of my mind is like, okay, they're about to get up, jump up and attack you. It's really it's just a phobia of mine. I think that most people though have a level of disgust and fear about corpses. I guess morticians would be the exception. They're so used to it. They probably just don't care. But I think that humans, we've evolved to feel disgust and fear regarding things that are harmful to us. <clears throat> it's the reason we avoid, you know, excrement, crap, for example. We try to avoid it, right? Because, yeah, it, it's disgusting, it smells bad and all that, but evolutionarily, you know, if we were to touch it or, God forbid, eat it somehow, you know, we'd, we'd get sick and die. So uh, I think there's an evolutionary lesson here. The decomposition process of the human body is completely natural, right? Per completely predictable. We know what happens. But most people are horrified by the sight of a dead body that's rotting, that's decomposing. Most people, if you stumbled across that in the forest, would probably yell, scream, and run the other way. And I think that's probably an evolutionary response so that we would 
be compelled to remove the dead from the living, you know, take the dead person out of the village, out of the house, because decomposing body can transmit disease. <clears throat> so we burn or we bury the dead. We fear and avoid corpses because it's better for our chances at survival. Another concept is the idea of the uncanny. The word uncanny, it's kind of a neat word. It's etymology at the root. It, it obviously, well, it means not canny. So what does canny mean? Well, canny is related to a very old Germanic verb or set of verbs meaning to know. Not in the sense of possessing knowledge, like I know that, you know, whatever, uh, New Orleans is, is, Louis is in Louisiana, but the sense of being familiar with something. When you say to someone like, oh, I know him well, right, that's that kind of knowing. Something uncanny then feels like foreign or unfamiliar. It's, it's strange. It, it's unsettling. It's disquieting. It's deeply disturbing. Death in itself is uncanny, I think, <laughs> because it seems to contradict everything we know and feel while alive. You know, how can I just stop existing? But when life and death mix, when those two worlds come together, the result, the monster, becomes truly disturbing, perfectly uncanny. The dead are supposed to remain dead, right? You, someone dies, that's it. <laughs> Goodbye, done, and, you know, finished forever. Well, when a dead person rises again, it just contradicts everything we know about natural law. And so it creates this uncanny dread, this terror in us, like I described when I go to funerals and see the corpse, this uncanny feeling. <clears throat> Maybe then the zombie mythos is just a way for us to deal with the very uncanniness of death itself. And I'm not talking just the fear of death, but grappling you know, and wrestling with the very concept of death. How can a thing that's living one second stop living the next second? How could I possibly die? I, who am self-aware and sentient and conscious and, and with all these emotions and thoughts and feelings, how can I just stop existing? It's totally uncanny. And perhaps the zombie is a way for us to deal with that or to examine that. Another thought I had when making this podcast, uh, making my notes, in India, the country of India, there's a religious sect called the Aghori. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Aghori, Aghori. And the word itself comes from a Sanskrit root meaning no fear, <laughs> having no fear. This is a religious sect comprised of men. And these, these men, these agori, these practitioners, they take everything society values as good and holy and turn it on its head. Uh, first of all, for example, they're naked all the time <laughs> and totally naked or maybe just wearing a loincloth. But I've, always, I've often seen them totally naked. They hang around places of death and the burning of bodies, as is Hindu custom, to burn the body, not to bury it, or to put it into the Ganges River, the holy Ganges River. They, the Agori violate society's rules of what's proper, clean, unclean. They handle dead bodies. They eat and drink from human skulls. They rub human, uh, you know, you burn a corpse, it reduces to ash. They take that ash, rub it all over themselves to give themselves kind of a grayish-white appearance. They carry around human bones. They drink urine. They, oh boy, <laughs> they'll, okay, so they'll take corpses out of the Ganges River. They'll have sex with female corpses sometimes. And to me, the worst, they eat the flesh of corpses, like a bloated, rotting human corpse right out of the river. They'll eat it. Why? Well, I can't summarize all their beliefs here, but one big part of it is that they, first of all, they only believe in one god, Shiva. They believe that Shiva can't create dirty and evil things because Shiva's God, Shiva's good. Right? So nothing in creation is truly uh, bad or unclean or defiled. 
Also, they believe that if they can remain pure within, even while doing on the outside the things that society considers vile and dirty, then they are pure. They are purer than if they would not do it. They remain pure while being in filth, so to speak. They also consider themselves <clears throat> to be important to society by forcing society to confront and deal with things that we usually try to ignore or pretend don't exist, things like death. Yeah, so I wonder if the concept of the zombie is kind of like the agori. By forcing ourselves to confront the most horrific thing we can imagine, a rotting corpse walking around trying to eat us, we are insisting on acknowledging and accepting these things as part of nature also. I mean, we're always surprised when someone dies, but think about it. I mean, death is just as natural as life, uh, birth, life. It's just as natural. Finally, I've often wondered why zombies, at least in most Western lore, movies and books, want to eat brains. What is it about brains? Now, I've eaten, not human brain, but I've eaten uh, pig brain before. Um, when I was in China, I had um, some brain. You know, Chinese people tend to have a very expansive palate. <laughs> and so I've eaten brains. They were good, but they weren't like the best thing I've ever had in my life. So why would the zombies want brains? It's not just because they taste good. Why brains specifically? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because zombies are mindless. You know, they act not on their own volition or thought, but they're controlled either in some versions by a disease, right? It's in some, some, in some lore, it's a virus or something, or controlled by evil spirits in other versions. You know, an evil spirit or a demon inhabits uh, the dead body. So perhaps the zombies' lust for brains is because they desire the one thing they cannot and do not have, the ability to think. What do you think? Do you agree, disagree with my analysis of the zombie? If you're listening to my podcast on YouTube, and my channel is just my name, Matthew Miller, I'd love to read your comments about your own thoughts on zombies. I love this kind of stuff, to really talk about it, and you know, what's the meaning of it, why does it exist? And so tonight, if you smell something rotten and hear something moaning, run! Thanks for listening to 15 Minutes of Fangs and Folklore. Sleep well, if you can. Oh,